Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the New Books Network. So, hi everybody and welcome to a new interview at New Books Network. This is Carmen Gomez Galisteo and I have the pleasure today to have here with me Eve Golden, who is the author of a very interesting book that we are going to speak about today, Jane Mansfield, uh, The Girl Who Couldn't Help It published by the University Press of, of Kentucky. I am going to introduce Eve. Uh, Eve is a former magazine writer and editor who now works at a stock ha- uh, photo house. And this is her seventh biography, the one on Jane Mansfield. And in her, her next book, the, the one on actress uh, Lupe Vélez, will be out next year. So welcome, Eve, and thank you for being here with, with us. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. So can you, can you please tell us uh, when you first became interested in, in Jane Mansfield? Well, I'm just old enough to remember when she died. I remember the newspaper headlines and, of course, seeing her films on television. So I'd always been aware of her. And she was just such a, not to make a pun, but such a fascinating figure. She just seemed like such fun, uh, such a delightful person and colorful and camp. And what made her stand out from other actresses in, in this period? Because there was a period where there are many landmark names that everybody knows. But what makes uh, she special and and uh, and uh, eligible for, for a biography? She was fun. She loved being a movie star. Unlike Marilyn Monroe hated being Marilyn Monroe. But Jane Mansfield loved being Jane Mansfield, and she seemed to be having the time of her life no matter what she was doing. Uh, She was just so colorful and likable. She was like a great big piece of candy. And uh, do do you have any any favorite movie of hers? Well, her first three movies at 20th Century Fox, I think, were her best. Uh, The Girl Can't Help It. Uh, The Wayward Bus, which showed she was an excellent dramatic actress and will success spoil Rock Hunter, are her best good films. Now, there are also her best bad films. One of the great things about Jane is she made some films that were so delightfully terrible that they're, they're such fun to watch. 
things like Loves of Hercules and that fake documentary, The Wild, Wild World of Jane Mansfield. And uh, there was just, whether her films were really good or really bad, you can't take your eye off her and she's always a lot of fun to watch. And uh, you mentioned in the book that uh, the book was hard to write because it was difficult to tell apart fact from, from fiction. Can you tell us a bit about this uh, challenge that you had when you were writing? Well, Jane would tell any story she thought was interesting. And the press agents uh, whom she hired also just made things up about her. All of those beauty queen titles that she won were just uh, press stories put out. So I had to find her voice and find out what felt like it was true and what wasn't. But I always made sure to tell the reader, this is a great story, but it might not be true because once the reader loses their trust in you, then that's over. You have to be completely honest with the reader and say, okay, look, I don't know whether this is true or not, but here's the story. Here's the source. Make up your own mind. I also found out which, since all of my gosh, through all the books I've written, I have found out which gossip columnists were more reliable than others. Uh, surprisingly, Luella Parsons was a very um, reliable reporter. Yeah, but, yeah, but, but then, uh, yeah, it, it, I suppose it is fascinating to, to read so many stories and anecdotes she also told about herself, but, but yeah, it, it has to be a maddening for a biographer to, to, to find out which was which. Oh, it is. There are so many stories told about movie stars that finding out what's true and what isn't, you can go crazy. Yeah, and, and also sometimes uh, when doing research, we may complain, oh, there is not much written on the topic. But there are many, as you say, gossip uh, columns about hair and books and articles. So maybe here the, the, the problem is the opposite, that you have competing versions, that you have many, many columns to, to read. Well, I, if a story is interesting enough or funny enough, I will tell it in the book and I will say, look, this may not be true, but this is too good a story not to tell you. And there were many, she was a, a good dramatic actress, as you, as you said, even though sometimes she is not credited as, as one. And there were many expectations that she was going to be also the next uh, Marilyn Monroe, but her career went downhill. And, and, and you credit that to, to a movie that she made, Promises, Promises, and also her appearance in, in Playboy. So how did these two moves affect her, her career? Well, her career was already on the downslide before that. Um, she was one of those actresses who, given a good script and a good director, could turn in an excellent performance, but she needed a good script and a good director, and she didn't always get those. Uh, 20th Century Fox, I blame for losing interest in her around 1958, 1959, because there were a lot of good films they could have put her in. Uh, she would have been wonderful in the best of everything, and there were two high-budget George uh, Cukor films, and he just did not want to work with her. He didn't take her seriously. So I think that that's a shame, too. Um, I think her publicity and her reputation as being a uh, high-glamour movie star kind of got in her way, um, that she wasn't taken seriously by the studio. And I think she could have had a much longer career if 20th Century Fox had really nurtured her and held on to her. But yes, uh, Promises, Promises and Posing in Playboy 
very bad decisions. And unfortunately, she never said no to anything. I mean, her worst film uh, was um, Primitive Love. And looking at it now, you just think, why? Why did you do this? You want to go back in time and just shake her and say, don't do this movie. It's awful, no matter how much money they pay you. Uh, yeah, and, and, and also because uh, she had this reputation of, uh, of being a uh, dumb blonde, but she was quite intelligent. So, But she, did these, she made these really stupid decisions. That's what's so infuriating and fascinating about her is she was very intelligent. She was very thoughtful. When you see her interviews on YouTube, you can see how well thought out her quotes are and about how, how thoughtful and perceptive she was. But if there was a dumb decision to be made, she would make it. It's infuriating. And her husbands and her boyfriends and her oldest daughter tried to talk some sense into her, but they couldn't. And, um, and and it's a pity, yeah, because as, as you say, yeah, she should have been better. Well, she was better advised, but she went against these 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 advice. Um, well, many, many people who maybe don't don't remember her too much, or they don't know who she is because these people are younger. Everybody remembers her by this photo with Sophia Loren, because I I, I was telling many many people, oh, I am, I am reading a book on Jane Mansfield, and they were who is she, an actress, and then I showed them the Sophia Loren photo and they said oh okay this photo I have I have seen because it is also in many means online and everything so what is the story behind this this photo how how was the photo taken that that's as famous as Marilyn with her skirt being blown up in the air uh, it was 1957 and Sophia Loren was making her first film at Fox so they gave a big publicity party to welcome her and Jane showed up in that dress that was cut so low you could see her knees because Jane loved making a public spectacle of herself, which was smart when she was starting out, because like stars today know online, you have to be seen and known by the public in order to become a star and to get your message across. And I don't know what she thought her message was, but showing up and making a public spectacle of herself was a big part of her public image. So she showed up, she plunked herself down next to a horrified Sophia Loren, and I also found some photographs of the reactions of other people at the party. And it kind of backfired on her in a way, because at that time in 1957, she really was one of the most promising and talented stars at Fox. And after that, she stopped being taken so seriously. But on the other hand, as you say, that photograph is still known all over the world. Um, so she she kind of did Way. She became known, and that photograph will live as long as there are photographs. Yeah, probably. So, yeah, that that in a way is is a way to 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 get to make it to posterity for forever. Yeah, Madonna and Lady Gaga and all these people know that in order to become to start your career to make a splash, you have to make a public yourself to set yourself apart from the crowd. Yeah, definitely, and and well, she she did that with the with the, with the photo, and 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 she's remembered so many years later, if only for for the photo. So and and I suppose that many people will see the photo and try to find out who she was. So.
she she still remember. And uh, uh, I mentioned that before that the, the 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 she was going to be the next Marilyn Monroe, and actually she saw Marilyn uh, once, but they didn't speak. So how was their encounter between these two really famous women? Because you were also mentioning the the photo of Marilyn Monroe with the with the white skirt and also Jane's. So how was their encounter? Well, it really wasn't an encounter because Jane was too flummoxed to say anything to Marilyn. It was at a charity event when Jane was uh, a minor movie starlet, but a big Broadway star. And Marilyn, of course, always wanted to be on Broadway, but she never could have been because you need a kind of, um, uh, you you have to be there every night on Broadway with your lines known and and be more reliable than Marilyn was. So there was a charity event. Lots of big stars were there. Joan Crawford was there as well. And Jane kind of just hovered in the background and managed to get into a photograph of Marilyn, but they never spoke. They never said anything to each other. So it, it is a pity because I am sure there would have been quite a conversation. <laughs> it really would have. I don't know what. Of course, there was no telling at that time that Jane was going to go back to Fox and become a big movie star. So I don't think Marilyn threatened by her at that point. But Jane was definitely in awe of Marilyn at that point because she was the biggest star in Hollywood. Yeah, and imagine they have been speaking that the photos of this encounter would have been wonderful. Well, Jane got along with everybody. She was a sweet, friendly person. I think they would have had a very pleasant conversation because there was no one whom Jane Mansfield couldn't get along with. She was really one of the nicest people I've ever written about. And what kind of person was she apart from these? Because you mentioned in the book that uh, also she played the, uh, the piano, the violin. She was good at foreign languages. She spoke several languages. So what, what, what was she like? She was a very friendly person, genuinely interested in other people. That's why reporters loved her. She would sit down with a reporter and instead of talking about herself, she would ask about them, ask about their family. Uh, and that's another way she got good coverage because reporters loved her because she was so obviously interested in them as people. There's a great story where some teenage fans stopped Jane on the street for an autograph and she took them up to her hotel and gave them tea and photographs and asked them about their classes and just treated them like they were friends. Uh, she was really a genuinely nice, friendly person. And, and also, she had like a million animals or something like that. Wow, way too many animals. Chihuahuas all over the place. Uh, there was she. She loved animals, but treated her animals like her children. She thought they had to be with her, whether it was good for them or not. So, her intentions were of the best, both as a mother and as a pet owner. But she got carried away and got in over her head. Um, way too many animals. Um, not to say way too many children, but she should have let the children stay with their fathers and not follow her around constantly on the sets of her films and her nightclub act. Yeah, and she also have a, an autobiography ghostwritten that was called uh, Jane Mansfield, Wild Wild World. So is it uh, still in print or is it out of print? And was it useful for writing the, the book or, or, or not because of these many publications and stories that she told that, that she found convenient depending on the moment? It's long out of print, but it's pretty easy to find on the internet. Um, it's a 
little paperback and the author, I spoke to the publisher, he's about 100 years old, and he said that the author would drive around with Jane in her car while she was doing her errands and interview her. And she would tell stories and she would sometimes contradict herself or tell a story that obviously couldn't be true and just laugh and say, oh, print what you want, make something up. So the stories are coming out of Jane's mouth, but whether they're true or not is very difficult to decide. Yeah, so yeah, it, it must have been a nightmare, yeah, to 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 to, to write this biography because yeah, to of these the the autobiography, the the the, the contradicting versions. So, yeah, yes, you really let the truth get in the way of a good story. How, how long did you spend writing this this book? Uh, I'd say about two years. Uh, the research and the writing are the fun parts for me. The the after parts of of the editing and the proofreading and the doing of the index and the uh, footnotes is absolute torture. But the uh, research and the writing are such fun, especially now that you have so many newspapers that are digitized that you can find things like the Great Wig Robbery of 1964, which no one has heard of since 1964. But it's a great little story connected with Jane that I just I was emailing all of my friends, you're not going to believe the great wig robbery of 1964. And you can find wonderful little things like that. Wow, wonderful. Yeah, that, that they are so easy to find and and they are not in some obscure archive or whatever. No, that, that you, you get them digitized. So amazing. Oh, so available online that there wasn't. I wrote my first book in um, the late 1980s and I had to go to research libraries travel everywhere and do all my interviews by phone. There was really no email at the time. Uh, nothing was digitized. And I started my first book on a manual typewriter. So that's how long ago it was. Uh, it's a whole different world when it comes to research and editing. Yeah, it's, it's completely different. And on the internet, yeah, as you say, you can find all kinds of things. And even, uh, well, Jane is well known, but even if you want to, uh, to Google an, an actor or an actress who is not so well known, uh, you go online and there are many online communities and fans and you say, wow, I didn't know this this, this person is not really so well known, but you have fans. And what if, if it is Jane? How obscure a movie star is, there is a group of obsessed fans and uh, Jane has a huge fan base. There are still many, many people who are obsessed by her, which is, I think is great. She would have been delighted by that. Yeah, and and, and, and these fans uh, contribute things and post clippings and everything. So, and do, uh, from from what have you have seen, are the the fans like uh, younger generations or middle age or a little bit of everything? A little bit of everything. People who are uh, older and remember her from her career. Uh, people in their 20s love her, uh, men, women, straight, gay. She has a really diverse fan base and very devoted. Yeah, yeah, because sometimes is amazing because you see very young people who are devoted to a, 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 a band or an actress that was well before their time. And, and sometimes I, I ask young people, but why do you like this actress or this band or this writer? Is this because your grandfather liked them or something? And they say, no, 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 I, I found them by chance and, and I like them myself. And it's like, oh, because they are the, the, the kind of actors or bands that played in your grandfather's time. And Jane is very big in Japan. I'm not sure why. 
Japanese fan base. How, how interesting. <laughs> And uh, she died, unfortunately, when she was very, very young. She was only 34. So what do you think she would have gone on to, to do with her with her life? Because at the time she was she was performing in nightclubs. and That is, is something that I can't answer. And I usually can with my subjects. Uh, someone like Jean Harlow certainly would have gone on into movies and television. John Gilbert would have been a character actor. But Jane was in a downward spiral at the time she died. Uh, her career was basically, if not over, in severe trouble. She had uh, drinking problems, she had men problems, she had money problems. And in 1967, she was at such a low point in her life and her career that I don't know if she could have bounced back. So uh, it's, I, I can't answer what would have happened to her. I'm completely, baffled as to where she was on her way to at that time. Yeah, because it was a very complicated moment in, 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 her, in her life, really. I mean, she might have gone on to make TV movies. Um, she might have had a talk show, but um, she had problems that she had to get over. Uh, she would not admit she had a drinking problem, and you can't get over a drinking problem unless you admit you have one. And of course, she was having trouble with her oldest daughter at the time as well. And her last boyfriend was certainly not good for her. So she really died at one of the lowest points in her life. And I have read that, that her house, the Pink Palace, uh, was reported to be haunted by, by her, by her spirit, until it was finally demolished a few years ago. Have you heard any ghost stories about it? Well, Engelbert Humperdinck, who bought it, said he thought it was haunted, but it turned out to be a homeless person living in the attic. So not not being a believer in ghosts myself, I don't think it was haunted, but I think it's an absolute crime that the house was torn down because it was a Los Angeles landmark. Um, they just tore Betty White's house down, as a matter of fact, and it was a charming little house. But Los Angeles has absolutely no respect for historical buildings, which is a real shame. Um, the fact that the children, Jane Mansfield's children, were not given enough notice that the Pink Palace was going to be torn down to even really save much from it. Although I do have, thanks to a Jane Mansfield fan, I have an actual tile from her heart-shaped swimming pool. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> prized possessions. Yeah, wow, that that is something very cool to have to to show to to show visitors and and, and everything. Very cool, really. Um, uh, well, and, and you 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 mentioned that well, even even though she died many years ago, you you mentioned that uh, she still has uh, loyal fans. And at the end of the book, you 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 explain that she has made an impact on road safety and also popular culture. What is her legacy? Would you would you would you say apart from her? from her movies? Fun. I think her legacy is that she was a fun person. Her movies are fun movies. She's happy and enjoyable and very colorful. She's like, I don't know if they have marshmallow peeps where you are, but those are like these bright colored candy, marshmallow candies. And that's what she reminds me of. She's just this brightly colored, happy, enjoyable person whose movies, even the dramas, are fun to watch. And uh, she's been sung about in rock songs, and there's been tributes to her. And 
just as many blonde bombshells are compared to her as are compared to Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I think she'll always be remembered both for her publicity stills, for the way she looks, and thank goodness her movies are available on television, on DVD, online. You can go on YouTube and see some of her movies in their entirety. So I think, fortunately, she's better known now than she was almost at the time of her death. And also by 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 younger generations, as you say, and and in Japan, where I don't know if they watch the the movies at the time or, or not, which is in, like incredible. So far away, people still remember her and, and love her. Yes, the few people who, when they said, "Who are you writing about?" I'd say Jane Mansfield, and they'd look confused, and I'd show them a photograph, and they would go, "Oh, her! I love her." Yeah, so yeah, every, everybody still remembers her. So it is it is nice, even even though her her life was so so short and so so troubled. So thank you so much, Eve, for being here today to to speak to us uh, about Jane Mansfield, the girl who couldn't help it, published by the University Press of Kentucky. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening. New Books Network. <laughs>